All Regeneration Topic, a podcast by the Osteology Foundation. Hello, everyone. We are here uh, with uh, Professor Giovanni Zucchelli. Uh, this is an interview for the All Regeneration Topic, and we're recording it uh, in the wonderful setting of uh, Osteology Barcelona and the Next Regeneration Corner. Uh, today we're here to talk uh, about one of these uh, many key publications, uh, which is called the uh, Bilamar Techniques for the Treatment of Resertion Type Defects, a Comparative Clinical Study. Professor Zucchelli is uh, very well known. He published uh, and lectured extensively in the field of mucogingival surgery. And uh, more than anything, he's an outstanding surgeon. So talking about this uh, paper, which is uh, one of your most cited papers, um, you know, is there anything that you think uh, made it particular? When did you realize that uh, this paper was making a difference on how people were doing surgery? I think many, many years later, because uh, when we did the, the, the article, the only attempt was trying to minimize the patient discomfort by reducing the dimension of the connective tissue graft. But in truth, we did not know if this was working the same of a big graft. And uh, the feeling was that even if you don't use such a big graft, it was good. And so that's why we did the study in order to demonstrate if it was possible to reduce the dimension of the graft for the patient. Then we realized, but even many, many years later, that by reducing the dimension of the graph, we give much, much more importance to the flap, which means that the flap becomes the protagonist of the root coverage with many, many advantages, not only for the patient in terms of reducing the harvesting procedure, but also for the aesthetic outcome because, because the graph is always a bit or sometimes even more different in terms of healing from the adhesion tissues. And so as much as you can mask this, the better it is. And also the role of the keratinized tissue as it was considered in the past is not today as so let's say critical anymore in terms of stability, in terms of aesthetics. Sometimes too much keratinized tissue is not so aesthetic. So from that time we start to work in giving much, much more importance to the flap. And from that time, we realized that we had to work more on the flap in order to reduce as much as possible the need and the amount of connective tissue graft. Fantastic. This paper is from 2003. <clears throat> and as you're mentioning, you have uh, a lot of patient-reported outcomes. And uh, this is quite early for, for this. Now patient-reported out, reported outcomes are very commonly reported, but uh, that it was uh, not as, uh, in the same, the same way at the time. Um, so do you think that uh, there are other p parameters that are important except for complete coverage uh, in the outcome of the mucogingival surgery procedure? Yeah, I, I really think that complete root coverage is one of the parameters that we have to consider, but I am not sure that is the most important of all because the patient is not aware at all of what is uh, the cementonamel junction if the patient don't see the cementonamel junction. So we have many, many tricks that we can shift the cementonamel junction a bit more epically and you can cover also something that is not completely coverable. And so 
you know, complete coverage is a parameter that is very useful from a research point of view in order to understand the potentiality of the surgical procedure, in order to understand the predictability of the surgical procedure, but it's not for the patient. For the patient, there is many, many other parameters, and the most important, according to me, is the color. So there shouldn't be colors that is different from the adhesion teeth, and colors means colors of the crown and colors of the tissue. And if between the tissue and the crown there is something that is yellow, this is not good for the patient, even if you can achieve complete coverage, because maybe this yellow belongs to the crown because there is an abrasion of the enamel. So, you know, I really believe that the concept of complete, com complete <coughs> coverage is something that is very useful for, let's say, in terms of data, but it's not the most important parameter for our patient. I totally agree. Sometimes we have patients that are very happy. And it's also through the opposite that sometimes you cover even too much and the patient is not happy at all because the adhesion teeth are not as covered as they are and let's say a cannon, typical cannon that is too much covered compared to the lateral and to the premolar. This is ugly but you know if you consider the parameter it's even more than complete coverage but this is not what the patient wants. So sometimes too much it's, all, it's just too much. Yeah, it's, it's not better. It's harmony, the problem. And harmony means, uh, but the, the thing that what we, were, we did in a, in a recent survey on patients is that it's really the color, the most important parameter. And colors, obviously, for the patient means color of the tooth, but it's not completely true because the patient considers the tooth also the soft tissue. And so the patient wants that the color of the tissue and the color of the crown is exactly the same in the adhesion teeth. Yes, I agree. Um, so there is a bit of a lack uh, of long-term uh, data on mucogingival surgery. Uh, in your experience, what are the expectations for surgical procedures uh, 10 or 20 years down the road? Uh, what are the aspects that you... I, I, I personally believe that there is a, a, a problem regarding mucogingival patient. Yeah, for sure they are not disease patient, that's for sure. But this doesn't matter that the patient that make mucogingival surgery must be followed. Very, very similar like patient with other type of pathology, which is diseases like uh, periodontitis, because you know, the reinforcement of the technique or the motivation, or it's extremely, extremely important. And so this patient must be followed at least two times a year, but sometimes even more, even if they're very good in plaque control, but it's this is the reason why they are good. It's because sometimes they are too much traumatic and there is some change in the position of the teeth that you have to control. There is also some abfraction lesion that we don't know so much about the theology about this. So there is many, many things that we have to control. I think that long-term outcome depends on the patient, not on us. The, our capability is to motivate the patient to come as much as frequently or as much as need for the patient for oral hygiene, prophylaxis, oral hygiene, motivation, that's absolutely critical. And I personally believe that if there is a long-term relapse, it's more linked to the fact that the patient is not, let's say, followed accordingly. So very similar to periodontal disease, uh, the yeah. maintenance of yeah. the patient in plays this a case very important role. In this case, the risk is maybe not pocketing, is not plaque accumulation, but there is many, many other aspects, for example, the, lo the loss of the integrity of the enamel. It's something that we don't check 
frequently in our patient, but if you lose the integrity of the enamel and the soft tissue was covering the enamel because it was covering the cement enamel junction, this is something that can jeopardize the capability of the patient to clean and so can make the patient traumatize the soft tissue. So we have to control much more frequently the patient and this is healthy patient from a periodontal point of view because they don't have any infection, but they must be followed exactly like patient with periodontal disease because otherwise the, the treatment becomes risky at long term. In the workshops for the new classification, uh, uh, there was a lot of discussion talking about what we were just mentioned. So the quality of the enamel or of the exposed uh, root. Uh, in a way, extending the indications for mucogingival uh, surgery. What do you think about this aspect? Yeah, this is an aspect that I, I personally have been thought from many, many years that it's not only aesthetics or hypersensitivity, the indication of uh, mucogingival therapy, there is many lesions. One example is the lower incisors, but for example, the upper molars, in which the recession becomes a periodontal problem in terms of the very, very shallow vestibulum depth. And so even a shallow gingival recession immediately reaches the vestibulum. And so there is other indication than aesthetics to treat this recession. And the other very, very critical indication is how is the root? Because, you know, the, I, we don't know so much about the quality of the attachment we achieve between the soft tissue and the root. But my personal belief is that if the root is really good, we can achieve good quality of attachment. If the root is very demineralized, even if it's not really tooth decay, but if it's very softened, it's really risk to achieve good quality of attachment. And so sometimes, especially when we increase the thickness, we have the risk to change a recession in a pocket that's even worse in terms of uh, possibility to maintain this area. So I think that the root should be evaluated much better and also how to treat the root. Because there is so many reports that say that you don't have to make root planing or you have to make root planing. What is root planing? Your root planing can be done with ultrasonic point, cannot be done with ultrasonic point the same way that curette. So this is a, a topic that I think really deserves much more interest because the problem of the root is maybe one of the most important indications to cover the root. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's, I guess this is a very broad topic, so I don't want to get too much... Uh, in, into no, that. because uh, we don't know so much also. But is there something when you do move gingival surgery that you look at uh, to say, okay, now I have to do my normal procedure or now I have to do something different? Uh, and in that case, what is the something different that you do? In terms of... Uh, Treatment of the root. Yeah, for sure, the, the quality of the root. I always test the quality of the root uh, with the very, very small curettes in order to decide if or which type of treatment I have to perform, and eventually also if I have to add some uh, uh, material, some, let's say, biological mediator that can in also improve the quality of the attachment between the soft tissue and the root, especially in those situations in which the root is very, very demineralized or when the root is very, very prominent in which the amount of uh, root that has to be covered is much, much more and the distance from the periodontal ligament of the two sides is much, much more. But it's, you know, it's only opinion because we really don't know so much. I know it. that endodontically treated teeth with very, very demineralized root, it's a root that doesn't seem from a clinical point of view to respond in the same way that a very, very nice exposed recently or 
quite hard route. At, at least, at least in terms of uh, the quality of the problem pocket depth of this area, because in terms of coverage, maybe it's covered. So, but this, the soft tissue doesn't seem to be so well anchored to this route if the route is not so good. But again, this is only some clinical impression. It's, there's nothing. But that's when you think uh, a biologic agent could help you get a better result? Yeah, I think that for sure, as much as we can remove the smear layer from the dentin tubuli, like the conservative dentists do when they are looking for adhesion in, in dentin, which is not easy to be achieved, they apply a lot of things on this route in order to improve the penetration of the adhesive material in the integration with the collagen fibrils of the dentin tubuli. And so this is something that I think that we also should do in order to achieve blood clot adhesion. So I think that at least ADTA apply on the route in order to remove the smear layer. It's something that since it's, makes let's say, sense. it makes sense at least from a biological point of view. Since we use it in regenerative procedure, I'm really wondering why we don't have to use it in mucogingival surgery since we would like to have regeneration also in mucogingival surgery. Obviously, this is not bone regeneration, but it's attachment regeneration, new cement formation, that it's something that it's really our hope, let's say. So I think that this is something that we really should uh, work with and also some mediators and obviously I'm, I'm thinking about amelogenins in this moment because it's the, the only material that up to date seems to promote new cementum formation on the route. Well, thank you very much. So uh, you published this article with uh, very good uh, uh, clinicians from the Italian Society of Periodontology like uh, Nicola Sforza or Massimo De Santis. Uh, you've been working a lot with, uh, with, with Massimo in your career, uh, especially in the, at the university, but in your career you also were, uh, was in Gothenburg once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Massimo. who were the people that, you know, collaborators uh, or mentors that uh, had uh, the largest impact in your career that inspired you in uh, becoming what you became yeah, today? Yeah, I, I think that there is two different uh, phase of my life. The first one was uh, uh, Professor Calandrello, who was uh, uh, past president of the Italian Society of Periodontology and one of the fathers of periodontology in Italy, who really took me from the, as a student from the conservative field and say, no, you have to make periodontology. You cannot make conservative. This is just to make you understand how was the, the person, it was incredible. And he really motivated me and gave me so many incredible opportunities at the university. He did incredible things for me, and that was the starting point. Then from a biological point of view, obviously the experience with Jan Linde was, and Jan Benson was extraordinary because obviously they, they, they made me always think more biologically than, uh, let's say, uh, with numbers and so, uh, this is my history, so I, I try to do something that makes sense from a biological point of view, even before looking what other people did, if it's working or not. So I try to think, does it make sense to do this? And if it does sense, I try to do it and I try to make uh, also as much as I can good research on this. So biological, I think that the influence of the Gothenburg School was really, really very, very important. And then there was Massimo that I met in the University of Bologna 
Uh, he was the professor at the University of Bologna during uh, the chair of uh, Professor Calandrello. And for me, it was the, you know, let's say, the, the love for surgery is for sure one of the best surgery in the world. And he really kept my hands in the first surgery. And I, I think that from a surgical point of view, what I did in my life, it's really thanks to him. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so you mentioned a lot about uh, biological uh, principles and uh, what I wanted to ask you is uh, uh, in the work uh, of a uh, mucogingival surgeon, a mucogingivologo, uh, how much of the success of a surgery do you think uh, can be related to the work of art, so to the hand dexterity of the surgeon compared to how much uh, it, it could be becoming from um, the application of biological principles uh, that you study, that you work on, uh, into the yeah, uh, that's that's the, that's the most difficult uh, question you you give me because uh, from one side I have to tell you that biologically, if you think biologically, it seems to be that your hands works much better and easier, but obviously I have I have to admit that there is. Uh, uh, different talent for uh, surgery, but talent is something that you can, uh, let's say, overcome with uh, the application uh, and by studying and by trying to, uh, to think what you are doing. The, the most important thing I think that for a young person is try to think with this mind. The problem of young people now is that they make a lot of study of what have been done in the past only. And this is something that really I, I, I don't like because this, yes, I know that you can publish, but it's also true that you have to try to do something more, something better. And for sure, you have to know what has been done in the past. But in order to improve, in order to be innovative, you have to try to think with your mind. And from a surgical point of view, I, I really think that uh, if, you, if you follow people capable or even if this don't tell you so much about how to make surgery. With time, you realize that you are able to do the surgery and you don't know why. So I think that it's more important to know and really to be motivated in improving. So it's important to keep nourishing uh, your fantasy, your inspiration. Yeah, that, and that's something. And be innovative I, in a yeah, way. I think this is something that is a bit lacking in this period of, of time. And because, because it's difficult, it's difficult to publish something new, it's difficult how to publish a new idea, and uh, it's really difficult. And uh, so most of the time uh, it's, it seems too easy to work on something that has been done in the past, but if we work only to, with the past, we, it's difficult to go further. To go, yeah. I think this was a tremendous piece of advice for uh, young practitioners. And uh, with this, uh, I think we, uh, I want to thank you very much for your time. Uh, this was a nice uh, interview. I learned a lot from uh, your suggestions. And uh, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. Ciao. Oral Retro Topic, a podcast by you.